0: Well, hello everybody, this is Paul Abernathy, and we're here again Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code. Today we're going to talk about a topic that comes up a lot, that might help some of you apprentices, maybe some journeymen, hell, even some master electricians might get something out of this. The conversation always seems to come up when we're dealing with anti-oxidation compounds, whether it's required, whether it's not required, whether it's a good idea, how you should apply it, all those kind of things, so I figured... Let's go on and do a show today that kind of talks about that topic and bounce it around a little bit. Everybody knows previously I used to be the Nemo Field representative, so I had a lot of you know, interaction with manufacturers on such topics, uh, different things we would discuss. And so I figured today would be a, a great opportunity to talk about this anti-oxidation compound, how it's applied to aluminum conductors, copper conductors, what's the general feeling is as, as far as how it should be applied, when it should be applied, when you should use it, some of the, the ins and outs for it to kinda let's get rid of the myth here. Now we're gonna discuss it from a maybe a thirty thousand foot view, but then we'll trickle it down uh, and and get into the real world scenarios when using this this material and why you should and, and and things like that. So let's go on and dig into it. Okay, I guess no good discussion uh about antioxidant uh, type of compounds or things like that could really begin unless we we went and we looked at the National Electrical Code first. Now, understanding that the National Electrical Code isn't an installation manual uh, and that all products that get installed have to be installed in accordance with their manufacturer's instructions. And so most all products, whether it's an ointment, compounds, or, or whatever it is, are going to have instructions on how you apply it. Right, I mean it's the same scenario here where I do a video and I put on a, a wire nut, for example. And again, wire nuts a trademark of the of a company called Ideal, but we all use it. It's a generic name, uh, a wire binding device, a wire connector, whatever it would be. And we use a we use this. And I'm going to use the name of it. You know, sue me if you will. A wire nut. And we go in and realize that the instructions actually say not to pre-twist the conductors when you put these wire devices on these these wire nuts or what have you, um, wing nuts and things like that. When you put that on there, insulated wing nut, that's the newest one I use. So, theoretically, every time we pre-twist a joint, we're not doing it based on the instructions for the manufacturers of the wire nut, although we all do it. the reality is that back in the day, when we used to solder, and I don't want to get off the topic of antioxidant compounds and all, but I kind of got to go down this route. Back in the day, we used to solder a lot of joints, and and you know what? Be honest with you, me and my brother for years, even though we'd use wire nuts and things like that. Every now and then, we'd get this this thing where we wanted to break up the monotony of an install, and we used to do a lot of high end houses. And, uh, and, uh, we would actually, and we'd only reserve this for the houses, not when we did the commercial stuff, cause it's all time is the essence for everything, but it was a neat process where me and my brother had this timing down where we would make up the joints, uh, and, I would come along after it and solder the joints or vice versa uh, and they would be hanging out the box and we, we we had a way of hanging them out so it was logical in how they went back into the box, whether it was the actual feed to a three-way that we would black, that we would wrap around the, the red and whites. So you could kind of tell when we fold it back but the joints would be out. It was pretty, you know, we got to this, you get this thing when you get a helper or you get another electrician and y'all work together. Uh, me and my brother were both masters and we could kind of, we, you know, even if I was pulling wire or he was pulling wire after I drilled the holes, he would drill the holes or I would drill the holes in a logical way that any helper if you worked with us for enough time, you would learn to just follow our lead. It's just like a dance that we would do. And and that's how we could efficiently get these houses wired. Well, the same thing would happen when we were soldering the joints, you could tell. And we'd solder them and then we would tape them. And so, in the code you know, you can't, you can't use solder alone to hold the joint. So it would be mechanically done. And that's why we would twist the joint. And then we would apply the solder. And then you, of course, you would tape that up to insulate the joint. Uh, so that kind of carried on in tradition where people, when we started to get these, these insulated wire binding devices, wire, wire nuts, wing nuts, what have you. And so um, those would then be applied, but the typical thing was to go on and make your joints up, uh, especially since we do this in phases. We would make the joint up and we might not put the we might not put the wire nuts or whatever on it at that time. We'd leave the joint out traditionally, maybe, uh, or if you're a one-man shop, you make it up, you go on and put them on there and you put it back in at that time. However, you would do it. Um, but anyway, We had some really good helpers at one point that we could make joints up and just go on from joint to joint. Joint. We didn't have to worry about lugging around the wire nuts, and our helper would come along or apprentice would come along and make the you know put the nut wire nuts on it or whatever. Uh, But anyway, pre twisting them you know does change the OD a little bit of it, but generally the wire nuts that you use are going to have a pretty good range. It'll tell you the number of twelves or number of tens or number of fourteens you can put in there. Really wasn't an issue. Just making sure they're on uh, good and tight. Um, And so the point is. Even though we twisted those, and the manufacturer of the wire nuts say you don't have to twist it, and it's not in their instructions, many people do twist it, and it's just become commonplace for you to do that. Um, so, bringing us back to, uh, you know, antioxidant compounds when you're dealing with copper or aluminum wire. So we're going to kind of kind of talk about that. So before we did anything, one of the things we have to dig into is the National Electrical Code. And we need to look at what it says in 110.14. And this is for electrical connections. Now 110 of the National Electrical Code is the requirements for electrical installations. Okay, so these are some general requirements. So this is where we find the fact that you got to deal with the conductor's termination sizing uh, when it comes to temperature of, of the cables insulation ratings or the conductors insulation rating or you know things like that all of those are covered here in 110 but what we're looking at is 110.14 specifically and it says electrical connections now I'm going to read it to you and we'll move from here and then we'll talk about compounds but we're going to read here electrical connections. It says, because of different characteristics of dissimilar metals, i.e. copper versus aluminum together, uh, devices such as pressure terminals or pressure splicing connectors and soldering lugs shall be identified for the material of the conductor and shall be properly installed and used. So this is why the lugs will say ALCU, AL7CU for 75 degree, AL9CU for 90 degree lug ratings. Uh, different things like that are on it. Again, understanding your terminal limitations anyway. Uh, we typically only use 90 if, unless the lug and the device is rated for 90. Or we have lugs alone that might be in a tap box uh, or something like that. Well, you don't have any limiting factor like devices in order to be able to limit it. So it might be okay for to use a 90 degree ampacity value at that lug. But you got to worry about the other end because there's always a limiting factor. Okay, so that's a, for a different story. But I'm telling you, this is what the lugs are rated for. So we go with what the manufacturer says the lugs are rated for. If it's an ALCU lug, obviously it's designed to handle aluminum or copper to that same lug. Uh, so that's something to, to be aware of. Um, so as we're kind of going down, it says conductors of dissimilar metals shall not be intermixed in a terminal or splicing connector where physical, where physical contact occurs between dissimilar metals, such as copper and aluminum, or copper and copper-clad aluminum, or aluminum and copper-clad aluminum. Okay, All of those considered different metals. Although you will see in a 2020 change, I believe, that they're trying to say that copper-clad aluminum can be connected directly to copper because of that molecular bonding of that copper in the outside. Whether you disagree, agree, whatever... Okay, that's where we're going. Uh, they fought very hard to get that. So anyway, uh, just reminding you that copper clad aluminum is aluminum conductor. The ampacity is an aluminum. Uh, you know, the, it just is what it is. Okay, it says, unless the device is identified for the purpose and condition of use, it means you have a lug that is designed with that lug to handle both copper or aluminum, or copper uh, or aluminum to copper clad aluminum, whatever. But typically, you're either going to get CU, C only, or ALR, or AL, whatever, it's going to be, It's the lug's going to tell you, or it's going to be one It really doesn't matter. It's designed in such that it can be copper and aluminum, both at the lug. So you have to know your terminations, okay? Uh, lastly, I guess, is the most important one that we're dealing with in today uh, that brings up the debate on whether people still today say that it's required to use uh, a Inhibitor, uh, oxide inhibitor, or antioxide compounds, or whatever, they will say that it's required to be used on aluminum. Well, here's what the code says it says materials such as solder, fluxes, inhibitors, and compounds, where employed. Okay, that's saying where it's employed. In other words, it's where used. It's not saying that you have to use it. It says where they are employed. It goes on to say, shall be suitable for the use and shall be of the type that will not adversely affect the conductors, the insulation, or the equipment. Um, Giving you an understanding when we say adversely affect, there as was a time when these compounds were specific to conductor type. Okay, So there was a compound that was designed just for use with copper products, and there was a compound that was just designed to be used with aluminum products, and using them interchangeably, saying the one that was designed for aluminum with copper could have adverse effects to the termination, uh, and things like that, So, uh, and ultimately the equipment. So you have to be careful, but again, it says where they are employed. Now most of the manufacturers of panel boards, uh, everything that goes into panel boards, switch gear, all those they are not going to require the use of antioxidant compounds, whether it's aluminum or not, because they're tested without that inhibitor, okay? Um, So the question comes up too is where employed? Well, the aluminum association, for example, recommends the use of an antioxidant inhibitor or oxidation inhibitor or antioxidant compound on all of its terminations, uh, but ironically, that's also recommended on all of their copper, ter- all copper terminations as well. However, it becomes that strong debate. We never do it with copper. Traditionally, people do it with aluminum. Here you have one association saying you, we recommend it, although we know it's not required. We recommend it for the longevity and reliability of that termination. Uh, Not everybody terminates the conductor properly, so this kind of gives you that level. Remember, what we're trying to do is limit the oxygen because aluminum will start to oxidize very rapidly, although we know that copper oxidizes. Just look at any old copper roof, and you can tell. Um, It's the rate of oxidation in the the time frame. uh, Aluminum almost starts happening very rapidly, whereas copper takes a little time uh, to do that. Uh, But the end of the day is there's a proper way to make that termination, to, to brush that termination, brass brush it, uh, in, in order to clean it. And if you were to terminate it right away and you were to apply proper torquing pressure to that termination, then you're going to remove the the issue of contact point oxidation because you went right to that termination. Although not everybody terminates it almost immediately, uh, or they pull the wire and it sits there for a while exposed. Um, uh, incidentally, the oxidation that gets on aluminum is uh, can be a very protective compound. The only part that you worried about is determination. But as the conductor oxidizes somewhere, even though it's inside of insulation, usually, and it's going to be very limited exposure, it, the oxidation, that thin layer, is not a, a, a bad thing. It, it acts as a protectant if you will to the conductive medium so that's why we treat the termination differently we clean it off we braise it off and and make it nice and fresh and shiny uh, if you want to apply antioxidation compounds to that termination it is highly encouraged by the aluminum association uh, most uh, installation guides uh, might recommend it but The manufacturers of those terminals and maybe the panel board, UL67, that's maybe by the major manufacturers, they don't test it with that on there. So they don't require it to make the termination. And the manufacturers of wire don't push anything either way, like, oh yes, with our aluminum you have to use it, or yes, with our copper you have to use it. They sell wire. So you're the one that's making the choice when you install it. However, a good precautionary thing to do is knowing that these conductors do either way copper or aluminum that they do potentially oxidize and not everybody torques things properly not everybody follows the requirements in 110.14d which before that were still applicable in 110.3b if the manufacturers required a certain torquing specification people ignored that that's why it made it into the code in in 110.14d to remind people that something was already there for years Um, if you use the compounds, you have to use them properly and you have to pick the right compound that won't have an adverse effect on the conductor, the installation itself, or the equipment. And so that's very important. Now, so how many, if I've seen people do it on, and I'll be honest with you in, in the day, I had a, a anti-oxidation compound that was very neutral. Uh, it wasn't, it was designed and I can't remember the name of it and I wish I could, I'd give them a plug but it was neutral it really was based on keeping moisture out because that's what it does based on the grease and how it is it keeps moisture from the termination that's a good thing um uh, and at the end of the day it was neutral in other words you could use it on copper and aluminum so be honest with you i used it on all my terminations whether the manufacturer required it or not i used it now there are these rare occasions, and I have seen it, where you get the the cutout boxes or single disconnect with the pullouts that we use on HVAC units and things like that. You will see sometimes in those instructions that are on the piece of equipment that says if you use aluminum to use an antioxidation compound or inhibitors, um, and that's fine. If the manufacturer tells you to use it, use it. Okay. Is there anything wrong with you always using it? Absolutely not. Um, will an inspector turn you down if you don't use it? They might but it's because they don't necessarily understand the rules that are written in 110.14, especially that last paragraph. That's why the the term where employed is very strong language, because it's not requiring it to be employed. It says where it is employed. Then it got to be uh, the type of material that does not have an adverse effect on the conductor installation or the equipment itself. Okay, That's an important thing in your, your argument to where you might get rejected for it. However, if I'm making a recommendation, many know that I do work for a wiring cable manufacturer and we're all about the longevity of your installation. We're all about torquing it properly. That's the first place that things break down is when people think that their elbow is torque calibrated and they know how to do it. Invest in a torque wrench. I don't care whether you buy the best in the world or the cheapest in the world. If it's a torque wrench, it comes with a certificate. Hey, it's better than guessing. I was in Harbor Freight. Yes, I was. I was in Harbor Freight the other day. I know I'm going to get a lot of people that say something about that. Yeah, I know. I was there. And uh, I'm a big fan of their Doyle hand tools. You know, again, I've tested those. I beat them. uh, And they're low cost, but they do have a lifetime warranty. And they compare very well to the high-end brand. But here, I'm not stumping for them. Um, I just have given them a lot of tests. And most people know that I still am an active contractor. I get out there and still do work, even though I do these shows and work for a major manufacturer. Sometimes I'll work half the night away working. Why? Not for the money. Because I love it. I can't help it. I can't help keeping at 50 years old. I still like to get my hands dirty and work on it and mess with the different tools and see what's new in technology. And I just can't help it. I like to stay engaged. I don't believe I'm the kind of guy who can preach things without actually doing it. And I still do it. I still do rough ends. I still do trim outs. I still subcontract from other contractors who want me to take care of things for them. I can't help it. It's just in my blood. Uh, the proudest thing I ever did in my career was when I became master electrician many, many, many years ago, and I just I can't help it. Uh, I can write books. I can do videos. I can do podcasts. I can uh, ghost author things for people uh, under different names, and, and, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm still an electrician. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'll never be considered a full educator. I'm, I'm still an electrician. Anyway, so the moral of this story is understanding that the that this oxide inhibitors are where employed not required by the national electrical code it's where they're employed then they can't have an adverse effect so what's the adverse effect well if they're designed for use with aluminum or copper conductors then they're designed for that application now typically if you look at the the, the manuals for these oxide inhibitors or these antioxidation compounds Many uh, people refer to ones like Nolox and things like that. You'll see that they talk about applying them to the conductor. Uh, now, that's not to say you won't run into one that says you can fill the... Uh, because a lot of times you see some that are pre-filled and it's already in the lug. And you just put it in there. Okay, um, But the question has come up, can you apply it to the threads of the lug? Uh, screw it all the way out and apply it. Well, I don't find that any different personally than applying things like anti-seizing compounds or or things like that um, or Loctite for some applications. I I don't see it any different. People say it's going to affect the torquing value and some manufacturers might state that but I haven't run across any. I've seen some vague references. Uh, Look to me the torque has everything to do with torquing down on the conductor. Just because it might go in a little smoother to me it still means you actually stop at the torquing value and you stop. Okay, Um, so if I've got to do it to 30 inch pounds or 45 inch pounds and I put a little bit of that on there or something like that, you know what? It's such small space in there that most of it's going to ooze out anyway. It's irrelevant to me. It's so tolerances are irrelevant. Um, Although if you look at most of the manufacturers, they say apply it to the conductive material. Anyway, I don't lose my sleep over the one or two guys out there that might apply it to a thread or not. Who cares to me? If you're really worried about that, check with the manufacturer of the antioxidant material or compounds, and I think you'll probably get a lot of crickets on that as well. The real application is to the conductor itself Um, and coating it up, not overcoating it, getting a nice thin layer on it. But the key is preparation. Taking that wire, stripping off the insulation, taking a brass brush, brazing it real well. There is actually a guide out there from the Aluminum Association that talks about this procedure. It's pretty simple. You braise it off, shiny it up, and then you immediately go to termination or you apply some compound to it. Uh, If it's going to sit without being terminated for a little while, immediately put that on there to protect it from oxidizing because aluminum does oxidize fairly quickly. Uh, And we don't want any film in there to be a hindrance to good conductive flow, okay? Um, but again, I have always had the same practice where I do the same for copper, okay? Um, it's, just, it was just, it's just my practice. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean I do that at all devices because again, usually when that's taking place, um, I'm stripping off insulation uh, and I'm getting fresh copper, and then I'm making that that termination. But if I did strip it all out, then one thing I usually have done in the past is I've noticed on my side cutters that usually I have the kind with the gnarly ends on it, and I will actually grab the conductor and just kind of twist it a little bit to kind of scratch it up, muck it up, uh, and then I make the termination. That's just me. You don't have to do that. It's just a a habit on how I do it because I'm I'm always worried about the connection, especially in those back stabs and things like that where I know that the surface area is very limited. But with copper, it oxidizes differently at a different rate. So I'm not as concerned as I might be with aluminum. Of course, aluminum, you can't backstab anyway. uh, So anyway, that's the topic. We were talking about it. Now, if you go look at, let's just go to a major manufacturer of this antioxidant. In fact, let's look at the Nolox. Let's look at it and see what they actually say. Okay. Well, let's see. Ideal makes this product, and it's called Nolox antioxidant and I'm going to try to stay away from the safety data sheet because when I read the safety data sheet on these compounds I got you know be honest with you they say things like specific target organ toxicity repeated exposure category one acute toxicity uh, GHS signal word danger uh, hazard statement causes damage to organs through prolonged and repeated exposure. Okay, look, so what i 'm going to say is don 't get this stuff all over you, and I have for years probably my problem today um, i don't you know, when you read these hazard statements, boy, they can scare you. Okay. All right. So I, my recommendation, because the crap gets all gooey and greasy all over you anyway, is this is a good time to have those little gloves in your truck, those little nitrate gloves or whatever, just a pack of them when you're applying this. Uh, spread it around on the, uh, with your finger or whatever, or be as neat as you can. Uh, again, I know that somebody says drinking too much coffee might cause... I mean, look, I'm just telling you, if you ever get a chance, go read the the, the safety data sheets. Kind of scary, if you will. Um, but, The one thing to remind you that this one is a very popular brand. And it says right on it, antioxidant and anti-seizing compound. It also says reduces galling and seizing on aluminum joint conduit joints. Okay. Um, It says improves service life of aluminum electrical applications. There is absolutely nothing that I see about this product that says that I could not apply this to the threads. In fact, it even encourages it to be done for anti-seizing on aluminum uh, conduit joints, okay? So, uh, you know, people will argue and say, well, it's not to be applied to the threads. I'm like, well, because it affects the torquing. I'm like, dude, look, 35 inch pounds is 35 inch pounds. 45 inch pounds is 45. If my torquing device gets to that and it snaps at that value, I'm torqued, I'm done, I'm moving on. I am not going to lose sleep about the fact that I put some on the threads and I'm like, oh, well, it might torque a little bit more. The torquing wrench or torquing screwdriver is calibrated to snap at that plus or minus percentage. It's irrelevant. It, to me, it's irrelevant. In fact, there's so small, tiny space in those threads that you're not going to make a difference. Really, you're not. So, but people want to lose sleep about that, I reckon. I don't know. But at the end of the day... Uh, you go read these things about the products, and nowhere do they state anything about that. Now, when you go look at the manufacturers, and you ask them about applying it to the threads, they won't say a word about it, because they generally don't test with antioxidant compounds at all. Now, if they do say something, great. Then look for that on the product's label. But if it does not, and then a manufacturer of the antioxidant compound does not, then it's obviously not going to cause an issue. Really, it isn't. Torque it as if you torque it to the torquing value that's from the manufacturer. Move on. Do not make this job harder than it needs to be. Again, I don't want you to get this stuff on you uh, because when I started reading this, and and I didn't think about it as a young electrician growing up, and I get this crap everywhere. Um, Some of the stuff that's in that MSDS sheet, scary. Um, But of course, everything you mess with today, scary. Scary probably just as bad as those vapes you know we don't know what's in that vape stuff but anyway another topic for a non-electrical topic show all right so anyway that's the thing so unless a manufacturer makes this it states otherwise i don't see anything in here that says you can't apply it again they encourage it to be done for anti-seizing other applications and, and conduit joints and uh it's it says suspended zinc particles penetrate and cut aluminum oxide okay now the other thing to remember is to again make sure you're picking a product that is compatible with the material it's being used on if this product is only good for use in aluminum conductors and it says that on there then that's what you use it for if you get some that says it doesn't matter aluminum or copper then that's what you use for aluminum or copper if you get one that says only for use with um the uh copper then that's what you that's what you do Okay, uh, Follow those. Let those be your guide. So anyway, I thought it was a pretty good topic that came up. Uh, there was a post with an image that says that using antioxidant compounds, not you know, not required. Using it could cause you to overstress it. Okay. Um, that might be the opinion of one manufacturer. That might be opinion of a box that came from China. Who knows? But they didn't address the threads. They were addressing the use of it, period. So again, um that didn't seem to me like it was a prohibiting statement because it wasn't. When I read it, it wasn't prohibiting. In fact, in fact, if I can find it, let me read you what the the little label actually said. Uh, here, let me get to where it is, and, I, and I'll read you with a little. Here you go. It says the label says caution installer. It says oxide inhibiting compounds is not required when connecting these conductors. The use of these compounds may cause mechanical failure due to an overstressed torque condition. Okay, um, that is that manufacturer's opinion. It doesn't say what manufacturer it's from. Uh, obviously. The code says I can use it. It doesn't have the adverse effect. So in this manufacturer states this, if this was on their material, they're just stating it's not required. They're not saying it's prohibited. So again, um, the NEC, National Electrical Code, does not require it as well. The manufacturers of wire and cable recommend it, but don't require it. The Aluminum Association highly recommends it for both aluminum and copper, for obvious reasons, but it doesn't prohibit it. Uh, But it doesn't require it either. Um, Now, you might get a manufacturer that does have a statement in here that does require it. But see, that's the contradiction we have. I have seen pull-out disconnects, cutout boxes for HVAC units outside. uh, And I have seen them have a notice in there that says, if aluminum conductors are used to apply an anti-oxidation compound. Well, that goes directly against what this manufacturer's notice might say. So again... um, you be the judge, I just caution inspectors, uh, municipal inspector, home inspectors or whatever to understand that unless it states it in the equipment, the antioxidant compound is not a requirement. It might be a good idea, but you're not there to impose your will on the installation. You're not the electrician. Okay? They're following a minimum safety standard. The minimum, stasis, uh, minimum safety standard says that if it's employed, if they use it, then it's got to be the kind that can have an adverse effect. That's it. That's all they're stating. Okay. Uh, as far as applying it to threads, let's be honest. If I apply a Loctite or I apply an anti-seizing or I apply some other type to a thread, it's going to make the thread go in easier. It's no different than if I put any lubricant on it for for a brief amount of time. It, it, it is. But if I torque it to the proper torquing value, I do it. I move on. I do not do this and waste 50 million threads. Uh, and when I say threads, I mean online thread count on message boards on the topic. Okay, It's a choice that you have to make. It's a choice that the manufacturer will tell you have to make. And then you do it, and you move on. Okay, It is not worth the brain cells to... Uh, to overanalyze that anyway that's today's show god bless you can agree to disagree but i encourage you to listen to our other podcasts go to visit our website at masterthenec.com that is masterthenec.com or of course you can go to electrical code academy but that's just a that's a lot of words to type uh, but it's electricalcodeacademy.com uh, and listen to all our podcasts so hopefully you got something out of it until next time folks stay safe god bless Looking bright.